Thank you, Jessica. Guys, do you want to come and sit back down on the rug? Okay, good morning, everyone. Just move that out of the way. So, if we could pop my first slide up. So, this morning we're going to be talking about rest. And it's quite funny, really, that I'm here to talk to you about rest because if you don't know me, I am quite often up here on the stage uh, singing but recently I've had some problems with my voice and I've been under the doctor's instructions to rest my voice. Now, let me tell you, that's not been very easy for me, um, but I've been trying my hardest. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to try and do in something that's so much a part of you. Um, you have to stop doing and you have to rest it. And it's made me think really about what proper rest is. So just to say that I'm preaching to myself this morning as much as I'm preaching to all of you. And I hope we can all learn something. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the rest that you gave us in the Sabbath. And I pray that this morning you will speak to us, that you will teach us more about how we can really rest in your presence and that we will go away challenged and excited to live our lives for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I've got some devices here that I'm going to put out. I've got a microphone. Another one. I've got a drill. Okay? I've got Graham's beard trimmer. I've got a toothbrush. And I've got a phone. Now, who would like to have a think and tell me what they think all these things have in common? Some ideas? Come on then. Moses? Electricity. Electricity, yeah, they do. They need electricity. Anything else more specific? They need batteries. They need batteries. Any specific kind of batteries? You use them. You use them. You do use them. But what do we have to do? What do we have to do to make them work? Turn them on? Yeah, turn them on. But before that, before we turn them on, what do we have to do? What do we have to do? Switch the button. Switch the button. Yeah, even before that. Even before that. Before that. Lua? Take the wrapper off. Yeah, definitely. I think Alice might know. Charge them. Charge them up. Okay, so all these items here are rechargeable items. Yeah, the batteries that they have in them are rechargeable. So um, all of these things need recharging. Yeah, so if we left them on... Oh, no, the batteries have run out. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen. No, nothing happens, and it did earlier. So these are, all these things work, or they did, or maybe they don't. See, this I knew it would go wrong. Oh, there we go. There we go, there's one. There's one, yeah? But if I left it on, you know, if I left it on like that for the rest of my talk, or if I sat and played on my phone for an hour, what would I have to do after that? Charge it up, yeah. Okay, so 
How do we charge things up? What do we need to do to charge them up? Shout out. Plug them in. So maybe something like this, if it's a phone, plug it in to the socket, plug it into your device, and it will get the power that it needs to carry on doing the job that we need it to do, right? So I think that we, as people, are quite like some of these items. In order for us to live the life that God has planned for us, to fulfill our purpose in life, we need to recharge our batteries by plugging in to the power, plugging into God, connecting with Jesus, spending time in his presence, and regaining the strength that we need to carry on with what God has planned for our lives. We might want to call it recharging our spiritual batteries. And to do this, we might need to unplug from some other things in our lives. Now, God knows that we need to do this. And so he very cleverly created a rest day once a week called the Sabbath. Now, we know that work is an important part of life. We all have to do it. But what we do need is a rhythm of work and rest so that we can live the life that God created us to live. I don't know about you, but when I'm tired or when I'm a bit stressed out because I'm so busy, I get a bit grumpy and I'm not my best self. I'm not the best person that I can be. So God commanded us in the Ten Commandments, like Jessica read, to observe the Sabbath. And if we follow his instructions, we can then live our best lives. So how do we do this? How do we rest? How do we observe the Sabbath? Any ideas? How do you rest? Tell me how you rest. Go to bed. Go to bed. Anyone else? Lua, how do you rest? Lie down. Lie down. What do you do? Sleep. Sleep. Anyone else? What do you do to rest? Any grown-ups? What do you do to rest? Bake a cake. Bake a cake. Oh, I'm coming round Ruth's house. What does anyone else do to rest? Any more ideas? Thinking. Stop thinking. Yeah, stop thinking. Maybe go for a walk. Eating. Eating. <laughs> Eating to rest. Interesting. Okay. Well, I think all these ways are really good things to do. They're all really good things to do. Um, to rest. But what I'm wondering is whether this is really the kind of rest that the Bible's talking about here. Now, I think sleeping is good. Don't get me wrong. I love a good lion. Don't get very many of them. Although I get more now than I did when my darling children were smaller. So all you parents of little people out there, believe me, I know how hard it is to feel tired and to not get enough sleep. You know, and I do quite like having a veg out on the sofa watching some Netflix or a bit of a box set. There's a definitely a place for those things. But perhaps there's also another way of resting. So it says in the Bible, in Psalm 121, that he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And it also says in Isaiah 40 that he will not grow tired or weary. And the he that it's talking about there is God. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't ever need to take a nap. And yet, he still created the Sabbath. 
It says in the Bible he worked for six days creating the world and then he spent the seventh day resting. I wonder what kind of rest he meant if he doesn't get tired. We're going to think about music for a minute because that's one of my favorite things. So if we could pop the next one up. So does anybody know what these symbols mean in music? Rest. Rest. It's funny that, isn't it? Amazing. You're a genius. So, these symbols mean rest, and they're different kinds of rest. Each symbol tells you a different length of time that you might spend resting. And if we go to the next one, what do we see? Yeah? So these, if you see this in your music, this means you've got to rest for quite a long time. Yeah? So you're going to... 10 bars of rest, or 15 bars of rest, or 7 bars of rest. So you've got quite a long time where you don't play. So if you're a musician and you play in an orchestra, or maybe you're a singer and you're part of a chorus, you might see something like this in your music from time to time. And this means you've got to stop playing or stop singing for quite a long time. Some players might think, phew, I'll get a bit of a break. Some people might think, oh, it's a bit boring, don't get to play. So let's have a think about what will happen to them whilst they're resting. So I think, first of all, they'll get some physical rest, won't they? So they'll get a rest, maybe they'll let their voice have a rest. They might let their mouth have a rest if the instrument they've been playing is a wind instrument or a brass instrument where they've got to blow. They'll give their lungs a bit of a break from all the blowing. They might give their fingers a rest or their arms a rest if they play a string instrument. Yeah, so they'll get a bit of a physical rest, won't they? A physical break from the work. But they might also get a break from their eyes, from watching the music. They might get a break from their, for their brain, from all the concentrating and the following of the music. So they're going to get a bit of a break while they rest. But, interesting, they can't switch off altogether because eventually they'll have to start playing again. They'll have to join back in with the symphony or whatever it is that they're playing, and they have to be able to play their part really well. So whilst they're resting, they still have to pay attention, perhaps counting the number of bars rest that they have, but just preparing themselves for starting to play again. So it's a kind of an active resting, isn't it? It's a getting ready kind of resting, preparing yourself for what's ahead. It is a physical rest to give your body a break and to maybe enjoy listening to the music, enjoy what's going around you. But it's also a rest that prepares you for carrying on and playing your part in life. And I think this is really key to the type of rest that God means for us to have in the Sabbath. He wants us to have an active rest, a rest that's physical and mental, a break from the routine, but a rest that also sustains us and equips us for life. He created the Sabbath because he knows that we need it. It's a gift, and he wants us to choose to value it. God created the Sabbath not because he needed to take a nap, but because he wanted to enjoy his creation, to delight in it, to delight in us, and to connect with us, because God values us just because of who we are and not because of what we do. You know, God does not care about your exam results. 
Sorry, parents, if that's not what you want to hear. But I really believe it. I don't think God will love you any less if you get an F than if you get an A. He doesn't care what you get in your SATs results. He doesn't care whether you're in the top group or the bottom group, or whether you get a first or a second or a whatever you get in a degree. He loves you for who you are and for who he's created you to be, not for how well you do in exams. He cares more about whether you're kind and you're generous and you're loving, patient, and faithful. We're going to look at this painting together. Okay, this is a picture of the prodigal son, which is a story in the Bible, and this is a painting by an artist called Charlie Mackesy, and he's, he's painted lots of paintings about this, and I love this one in particular. So there's this story in the Bible, if you, just in case you don't know it, it's about a father that has two sons, and the younger son, he asks his dad for his inheritance, so that's like his share of the family money, and he wants it early so that he can go off and do his own thing and live the life that he wants to live. And unsurprisingly, he makes some bad choices. He makes some mistakes, and he runs out of money, and he needs to come home. He needs to come home to his dad. And he was really worried that his dad wouldn't want him because he'd messed up. He's made mistakes, but his dad did want him because his father loved him, regardless of the fact that he'd messed up. In fact, his dad was looking out for him. He was waiting for him to come home. And when his dad saw him coming, he ran to him and embraced him. He gave him a big hug to show him that he was loved unconditionally. And we can see from this painting that the son is so totally at rest in his father's arms, isn't he? He's completely abandoned in the hug, in the embrace. He's relaxed. He's given himself over to the embrace where he feels safe and where he feels loved. And you know, this story is meant to remind us of God's love for us and how in God, God invites us all into his embrace, into his bear hug, where we can completely rest and be ourselves. And while we're there in God's arms, some of God's way of doing things rubs off on us a little bit. Some of his DNA leaks into us. The more time we spend with him, the more like him that we become. I think that's amazing. Sometimes I think we might feel a little bit scared to slow down and enjoy that hug, right? You know, we find it a bit hard sometimes to switch off from the busyness of our lives. There's always something that needs to be done an email, a to-do list to tick off, homework, a bit of studying for some exams. Who's seen the film The Greatest Showman? Now, there's a song in this film, and it's called Never Enough. And this character sings it. And she's one of the most famous singers in the world. And she goes out on tour to become more and more famous, more and more rich, and more and more successful. And yet, every night, she sings this song, Never Enough. And it says, all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough, never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough for me. 
And I think we can sometimes be too easily sucked into this way of thinking to never be satisfied with what we have, thinking we have to keep working, keep working and working and working, and never stopping until we get that success, that money, that fame, that approval that we think will make us happy. And yet we know deep down in our hearts that it won't make us happy, that it'll never be enough. So what are we supposed to do? If we can get the, re- the next slide. What, what do we do when we see this sign? Stop. stop. It's a red man tells us to stop. Grown-ups, how many of you don't stop when you see this sign? Confess. Yeah? How many of us are in such a hurry that we think, right, I'm going to dodge the traffic just so that I can get across the road 30 seconds quicker than if I just waited for the green man? I think we all do it occasionally. But why are we supposed to stop at the red man? Why? So it's safe, yeah? So we don't get hurt. The rules are there for a reason, right? And I think it's the same with the Ten Commandments. It's the same with the Sabbath. Sometimes we might get a bit scared to stop in life because we might have to face up to some of the things that we might rather ignore maybe some of our problems. And if we just kept really, really, really busy, we could just pretend they weren't there. Because sometimes when we stop, we actually pay attention to how we're feeling. And we might then realize that maybe we feel a bit lonely or a bit sad or maybe a bit insecure. You know those deck chairs that they have in Hyde Park and some of the big parks in London? Yeah, those ones. Don't they look nice? Don't they look inviting? You could just sit down in the sunshine, kick your shoes off, chill out, have a nice scream, enjoy the park, enjoy the surroundings. But I don't know about you, but I never do. I never do because I know that there's a cost. Yeah? I know that eventually a little person with a money belt will come around and say, that'll be, I don't know how much it costs, because I never do it. Two pounds for 20 minutes, probably. Yeah? There's a cost. You know, and sometimes rest, it looks really inviting, but we choose not to because it's easier, because we know that there's a cost. We know and and we don't want to pay. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking the opposite of rest, we might think the opposite of rest is work, but I don't think it is. I think the opposite of rest is kind of striving. And I guess that kind of means trying to be someone or something that you're not something that God didn't intend for us to be. Maybe it's a fear of not getting or achieving all those things that we want, the success, the power, the fame. Maybe the opposite of rest is to never be satisfied. Now, we heard this slightly strange word in our reading earlier, the word yoke. Yoke. Okay, so Jesus said, come to me, All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's this yoke that he's talking about? Well, it's not part of an egg, because that would be Y-O-L-K for all you homophone experts out there. This is a Y-O-K-E yoke. And if we could have the next one up, this is this kind of yoke. 
So a yoke is kind of a piece of wood, a beam of wood that joins a couple of cattle together, oxen or sometimes horses or donkeys. And what it does is it helps them together to pull something heavy, possibly a plow used in farming. And so this word yoke is quite often used to mean something that's heavy, something that's a bit of a burden, maybe something that's quite oppressive. So when Jesus asks us to carry his yoke instead because it's light and it's easy, this is a really big contrast for the people who are listening. And I think he was teaching us a couple of things with this phrase. So you see, the religious teachers of Jesus' time, they were called Pharisees, they had made up an extra like 600 rules for um, the Jewish people of the time uh, of things that they could or they couldn't do on the Sabbath day in order to make sure we kept the Sabbath day holy. And these, you know, the, we had to do all, they had to do all, keep all these extra laws, make sure they kept every one of them in order to be able to gain God's forgiveness and God's acceptance and God's love. And this was really, really hard. It was a really hard task, wasn't it? Like 600 rules. Do you think you could keep all of them? And I think people felt really burdened by it. And then Jesus came along saying that his yoke was light. The rest that Jesus offers is a rest from the heavy burden of all these rules, offering us a different way to gain God's forgiveness. Instead of us having to work our way to being right before God and gaining his love, we know that Jesus did it for us on the cross. And by choosing to follow Jesus and put our faith in him, we are promised that we will find rest. And I think it's also interesting that Jesus doesn't say that he'll just take the yoke away. He doesn't say, put your trust in me and you won't have to do anything. You can just sit back, do whatever you want to do. He didn't say that. We still have to work. It's just that it's maybe the right kind of work. And maybe it's finding rest within the work. Maybe doing the work for the right reasons and the right purpose. It's doing the work that God created you to do. And by that, I don't just mean the job that you do, although it could include that, but I think it's about how we live. Maybe being the best son you can be, or the best daughter, being the best mum or dad you can be, auntie or uncle, granny or grandpa. Be the best friend you can be. Help your friends, encourage your friends. What about your community? What about making your community a better place to live by fighting injustice? I think the kind of rest we experience um, it affects everything, everything you do and everything around you. Do you remember the story of Jesus calming the storm? Yeah, Jesus and some of his disciples were in a boat out fishing and suddenly this big storm rages up and the disciples start panicking and they think they're all going to die and they forget that Jesus is with them because Jesus is in the corner of the boat resting. He's having a nap. Yeah, and when he wakes up, he has this authority to calm the storm. I think that authority comes from the rest that he had. And if we carry Jesus' yoke, he will not only give us rest, but he will help us to find rest in the middle of all the storms that life can bring. When bad things happen, when you get bullied, when you lose your job, when you're struggling financially, when the world feels like it's falling apart, God promises to give you rest. And this kind of rest is available to everyone. So, what have we learned? We've learned that God 
rested, not because he was tired, but because he wanted to enjoy and delight in his creation so he could spend time connecting with his creation. God wants us to recharge our spiritual batteries as well as our physical and our mental ones. He wants us to connect with him and follow that rhythm of work and rest he created in the Sabbath. But we also learned that Sabbath is an active rest. It's about spending time choosing to rest in God's presence, resting in the Father's embrace so that we can be sustained and equipped and prepared for all the plans that God has for us. And as we rest this way, we find that we change. We become more like him and we become more the people that God created us to be. Jesus came to give us rest. And if we put our trust in him, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. We all still have to work and we all still go through storms in life. But Jesus will give us rest in the midst of the storms and he'll give us a purpose for our work and a better way to live where we can be satisfied. Now, who's heard of FOMO? Who's heard of FOMO? FOMO is the fear of missing out. And I think a lot of us suffer from FOMO. I know I do. We don't want to stop from all our busyness and all our activities just in case we miss out on something exciting. You know, we say yes to too many things because we think that things can't possibly happen without us. We need to feel like we're important and that we're significant. But you know, it's not a great way to live. It's quite exhausting. But I think there's a healthy kind of FOMO that we all need to develop for the things of God. I don't want to miss out on what God has planned for my life. I wanna have a healthy FOMO for the plans God has for my life. I don't wanna miss out because I'm too busy with other things and I haven't taken time out to rest in his presence and to obey the command to observe, observe the Sabbath rest. Amen. Shall we stand? And I think we're going to sing a song and maybe during that song we can think about how we might go forward, how we might learn better how to rest in God's presence, how to spend time in God's embrace in his bear hug, just being ourselves, leaning on him.